This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Daniel Shannon, a senior software engineer and technical lead at Vox Media, where he works on digital editorial content, and a serial founder of defunct queer literary magazines. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. So now we can hopefully sink our teeth a little bit deeper into this next one, because I I really... You know, I, I went back and forth on this one in so many different directions, but I find it very like poignant in some ways. It's very familiar, at, you know, at a certain age. It seems like it's a very familiar experience. Um, shall I? Yeah. Oh, please do. Okay. Uh, subject: Hate my friend's new girlfriend. I'm a gay man, and my best friend since college is a lesbian. We're both party gays, and she is the funnest person I've ever met. We've always been able to always been able to be completely honest with, with each other to the point that other people sometimes think we're assholes but I love that we get that we get each other and don't need to mince words. Ever since she got a new girlfriend, I feel like I'm not allowed to talk to her. I've only met her, which I think is the girlfriend, once or twice, but she was almost silent and got offended at everything and talked my friend into leaving early. My friend started coming out with me less and less and eventually said she wanted to cut back on the drinking and ask or asking to skip parties to have a movie night. We've never just sat around and watched movies. She said bars weren't as appealing now that she wasn't going to get free drinks and hook up, which I took as a slip, but then she claimed she didn't want to do those things anymore and that her girlfriend was a good influence on her. We've never watched what we said to one another, so I didn't. Then my friend lost it and told me her girlfriend was right about me and not to try to talk to her again until I could respect her girlfriend. We've been friends for years and I feel like this girlfriend has started started an entire personality change. I feel like she needs some real talk more than ever, but she won't listen to me. Um, I don't know. My, my first instinct is to say that unfortunately bitchiness is not a life choice. It kind of waxes and wanes funness waxes and wanes and you know i think even frankness waxes and wanes in a certain way that's sort of like archness certainly comes and goes in a relationship and over time yeah i i think that's true too i can i can certainly understand why the letter writer feels uh sort of like taken aback by this sudden about face um but i also think yeah. like letter writer you've tried the whole we've never watched what we said to each other thing so i i continued on and that went badly and so i think Regardless of what kind of friendship might be possible for the two of you going forward, um, I, I, I think you at least now have the information that right now doing the thing that normally works is not going to work. And as much as you might want that to, to be the case, as much as you might want to feel like if I call you by your secret name, you have to come over here and talk shit with me. Um, that's just not going to work and it, it it will only drive her away. So I think that uh, that's the place to start, um, which is if you want to try to get her to listen to you, you've got to try something different. To meet her where she is seems like the right place to start. And I also think it's important in trying to have a conversation with her that none of this becomes, you know, dispositive or permanent, because I don't think that either of you will always be in the same place and want the same kind of excitement all the time for the rest of your lives or for the rest of your relationship. Yeah. And I also like, I, I felt, I loved that line. I found it really like lovely of just like, we've never just sat around and watched movies like that. Just, I, I really could um, feel that sense of like friendship betrayal of like, that's not who we are. We are right, not right. this type. Um, and also because like, 
you know, I can imagine many different uh, degrees of honesty or bitchiness or offense. It, it, I didn't necessarily want to say like, I definitively know what degree of bitchiness the letter writer was committed to, or I definitively know what type of stay-at-home coziness the new girlfriend is committed to. So I don't want to even spend too much time worrying about like, were you too mean? And it's good now that she doesn't want to be mean or like, is meanness and partying the same thing? Like, I understand that the problem here is we had one kind of friendship where we shared these like pretty big values and I'm having trouble now figuring out how much of this is changing because she actually wants to change versus how much of this is her pretending to change for her girlfriend. But if I can just get to the real her, I can bring her back. Wouldn't you say that that really winds up being, I mean, from the letter writer's point of view, though, that winds up being the same conversation, right? Like if, if you're, if you can't just snap her out of it because mm -hmm. trying to snap her out of it hasn't worked, then whatever her sort of like, whatever the balance in her head is between genuinely wanting a, a different sort of lifestyle and wanting for the girlfriend's sake to have a different sort of lifestyle is sort of irrelevant, right? Because you're asking to participate in a different kind a different kind of friendship a different sort of uh, structure of friendship whether or not whatever her intentions are doesn't really matter up front right we can discover that over time but mm -hmm. in the immediate way of figuring out you know how do we move a relationship forward i don't think it actually matters too much how sincere she is to whatever, to whatever extent that's a useful word for it I really agree. I think it is a, a, a trap um, to get caught up in I, yeah. whether or not this is coming genuinely from her or from her girlfriend. Um, I think it's almost always a trap to blame the girlfriend uh, for, for perhaps obvious reasons. But the, the point is that she is making this choice. And I understand why it might be tempting to say, I know you better than this. Um, and therefore, this must actually be coming from somebody else. But regardless of whether or not the idea came from her girlfriend, something about that spoke to your friend. And in this moment, she finds it appealing. And it would be, I think, a waste of your time and energy to try to look for clues that she does or doesn't really want this. And I think you need to take her at face value. Um, again, I get that it feels like, you know, not to compare your lives to a TV show, but it's like, I feel like we went from being in difficult people to being in parks and recreation. Um, and that is unspeakably uh, demoralizing. Um, the least difficult people you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. The smooth people. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is demoralizing. I think there's something to mourn here. I just think the, the, my caution, I think it's the letter writer is that to mourn it as though it's dead is I think a mistake to sort of think that you have to change a relationship permanently overnight is a mistake. Um, and I would imagine that trying to do a little less work, divining her intentions, the friend's intentions might actually be a good way to find some like space in between the two absolutes that the girlfriend is setting up and you're setting up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, while I can also really, um, feel for the letter writer's sense of loss and like delight in a certain type of like gay man, lesbian party bitchiness mode that is like very lovely often. Um, I also think that there's room here for, you know, you say you met your friend, your friend's girlfriend once or twice and she was quiet and got really easily offended. You know, it is possible to be somewhat bitchy and fun and go to a lot of parties and also be uh, self-aware and right. read the room um, and be gracious when you meet new people. It's not, it doesn't mean that you have to commit yourself to being maximally bitchy at all times. Um, and so I wonder if there is an opportunity for you to reflect and say like, was I kind of trying to 
rile her up? Was I was I going for like maximum bestie mode where the two of us talk like we're the only people in the world and everyone else feels kind of excluded? And then when she got offended when I said a bunch of offensive stuff, I took that as occasion to dismiss her. Um, because if that's the case, like I'm not surprised that strategy failed. That is a strategy that is bound to fail. You were trying to exclude someone that your friend was introducing as a part of her new inner circle. Absolutely. And I also think now that I've heard the word a few times, I should flag that I imported the concept of bitchy into this conversation because I think being bitchy is fun. And so there are many other definitions of fun that might potentially fit into the letter writer's uh, observations here. And I should uh, Mm -hmm. not impose my notion of what constitutes a good time, which is mostly being mean to people on the letter writer himself. I really appreciate that, too, because I think I was also thinking a little bit of like (laughs) all about Eve like it's got to be that level of like bumpy oh buckle God, up. Yeah. It's going to be a bumpy night, like incredibly like, you know, brilliant, scathing observations. Um, but it is true that the letter writer has just said sometimes people think we're assholes and we don't right. mince words, which could just as easily mean like you are tiresome and thoughtless and other people don't like being around the two of you. So wide, wide spectrum here. Of wide birth of possible kinds of fun involved. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean- I guess I, I just didn't want to come out as like, immediately out of the gates, like obviously bitchiness is bad or obviously, you know, having like a fun party gay friendship with someone needs to give way for somebody who wants to stay in and watch movies and do face masks. And of course, also some people love to do all of those things. Some people sometimes party and sometimes do face masks and are kind and can also occasionally drop a fun and slightly shocking line uh, at a party. I think my mistake in reading this the first couple of times was to think that um, fun necessarily meant some kind of joyous cruelty, um, mm-hmm. which I think casts this in a certain light that makes it feel more absolute than maybe it, again, than maybe it has to be, because if there's a notion of fun that is like, you know, as you said, Danny, there's a, there's a fun might be like a little bit tiresome. Fun might also be just like a little bit sharp in a way that is not necessarily like the thing that I had imagined, which is much more like all about Eve. Um, so the valence of all about Eve, I think, can shift in this conversation, but I don't think it has to be, I, I, I don't want to ascribe the notion of like what it means to have fun that exists in my head to the letter writer or to the letter writer's girlfriend or lady right. friend. Right. Yeah. I just didn't want to like take this letter as occasion to like make a final ruling about whether or not like one should only ever be maximally kind and sincere or Absolutely. whether like bitchiness can ever be good. So, um, and it doesn't sound like the girlfriend is being particularly kind and, and sincere either. The new girlfriend, you know, the notion that you sort of get offended and then back out is also not, is also a pretty hostile way to behave to someone. So I, to me, there, of, yeah, it really def- depends. Like, did he say something like incredibly over the line such that yeah. I would feel like, oh yeah, I get why someone withdraw. Or was he just like a little sharp and she was a spoil sport or a wet blanket. And again, we just don't know there. So it, it could have right. been anything. And I think it's, I think it sounds like there's a degree of animosity all around or a degree of discomfort all around. And I think mm-hmm. the starting point for that, if you want to hold on to the relationship with your friend, I think the starting point there is again, just not to try to figure out who is responsible for what proportion of, of discomfort and just try to work from the place of assuming that everyone had, it's, it's all, it's awful to assume that everyone had good intentions, but like, it's probably also the right way to figure out how, figure out a way forward, you know, that is like, that is a little bit distant from blame and anger and regret. Right. 
I, I think the key for me in in trying to think about how I could advise this letter writer to go forward is to say, like, letter writer, it sounds like you're aware that in the past your kind of no-holds-barred conversation with this close friend of yours has sometimes excluded other people or meant that other people didn't like you. And in the past, that hasn't bothered you. That hasn't been a problem. But it also sounds like you've at least been aware on some level that this isn't the kind of speech you you share with everyone. You're not like this at work. You're not like this maybe with everybody that you date. Um, you're not like this with people on the subway or some of your, I don't know, older relatives. So I, I think you do know on some level that this is like a level of maximal honesty and often like maximal rudeness that you and your friend have shared and earned with one another. So I think it's probably at least fair to say like it shouldn't be a way of engaging with other people that you bring out the first time you meet them. And you know, if you're just like, absolutely not, that is what I want to do my whole life. And if people don't like it, that is my way of screening for them. You can. I think, you know, the downsides to that one are fairly obvious and it will include losing a lot of different friendships. But if that's not the case and you are willing to, you know, make some tweaks, I think you can say my first mistake was I went like right away into fully intense that mode the first time I met my friend's new girlfriend. And uh, I didn't instead try to meet her on more neutral territory, get a sense for how much of that she's interested in or able to do, um, and then like ratchet it up accordingly. I didn't try to suss her out. And I don't mean to say that as like, you should be like deceitful or like pretend to be a really nice person so that you can see her back to all like, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean like you can be a little bit more neutral or a little bit more gracious or a little bit more friendly and draw someone out when you first meet them before you say like, now here's what I'm like on my third highball and I'm pretending that I'm besties with Betty Davis. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that if if you do want to try to maintain something with your friend rather than try again for like, I'm going to stand outside the city gates and proclaim the truth until you hear me, you can go back and say, I messed up our first meeting. I didn't try to get to know your girlfriend. I wanted to like immediately rope her into our, you know, routine that we do together. And I can see that that put her off. And I'm sorry that I did that. Um, do you think that we could try again? Um, is like, is that an acceptable apology to her? Does she hear that and say like, thank you, that means a lot? Or does she hear that and say, you know, I appreciate this, but I've actually been kind of privately thinking I've outgrown our friendship for a long time and I'm just sick of it. Like, that might not feel good, but at least at least you'll have heard an honest reaction from her, which it sounds like honesty is something you value pretty highly. Absolutely. I mean, I think the thing that comes to mind, Danny, when you talk about, you know, not having that kind of frankness in the office, not kind of not having that kind of frankness with your with your older relatives is mostly that the real charm of that kind of capacity to be frank and to tell truths that are uncomfortable is the risk involved. You're taking a risk mm -hmm. in your own social standing, in your own sort of uh, uh, the risk of being of accumulating uh, uh, disapprobation and it might be the case that this time the risks are too high and that you're going to lose a friend over it. And I think Danny's suggestion that maybe you sort of like dial it back a little bit and trying to go back into the relationship is probably a good way to ameliorate the risk in this context without then taking away the larger, grander charm of being able to take risks in the way that you talk to people and spend your time outside. Yeah. And beyond that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere by acting like your friend's girlfriend is a comet that struck her in the middle of right. one day out of nowhere. She has chosen to date her. Whether or not you share her reasons for liking her, she does like her. Whether or not you think there's some part of her that secretly wants to go back out to bars with you, 
you know, I, I think it's a pretty reasonable thing to say. You need to act like you can't make her break up with her girlfriend because you can't. And if that just sounds like I can't do that, that sounds awful. I don't want that. Then maybe this is the end of that friendship. Um, but I think you could also maybe try a movie night. I know you're not interested in doing that every night of the week, but like, we keep talking maybe, about all about Eve. Go for that. Like, as a starting yeah, point. go watch all about Eve. Maybe that would be a little bit too loaded, but like, <laughs> I think you could survive saying like, I think I handled our getting to know each other badly. Also, if you have secretly been feeling, let me don't say secretly, but like if you've been starting to feel like edgy about the way we normally relate to each other, like I hope you would let me know because I would want to know. Um, I'm not interested in like becoming a, an indoorsy movie watching introvert um, who's nice all of the time, but I care about you and I value you and like I'm willing to try to meet you halfway. If you could do that, I think there's a chance that you can, you know, salvage a, a meaningful friendship out of this that maybe does not always look like it did in your 20s, but frankly was never going to. Um, and that I think would be a good thing and would not mean having to become like an adult Disney gay, which I really understand feeling like that is a fear for you. I like that uh, I will say something bizarre and abstract about risk and you will actually give advice on your advice podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've just alienated the adult Disney gay community, which is, uh, you know, a real... A real statement. So, we're we're all doing our best. I mean, I wish them well. I just I can understand why somebody wouldn't want to do that. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.